0: Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Well, it's Christmas time. And one of the enduring, most common practices of Christmas is what? Gift giving, right? I mean, that's really what we look forward to. I mean, we do eat, yes, we do gather, yes, we pretend like it's gonna snow. It's not, I'm sorry. Uh, It's not gonna happen here in South Florida. You gotta travel, I don't know, a ways to get there. Uh, We do have, this is actual snow right here. I don't know if you can see that, but that's actual snow made of cloth. So uh, that's up there. And it's just to make you have the feel if you're from up north, just know that it's not gonna snow. It's gonna be great. That's why we live here. This is the greatest place to be at Christmas time. amen? I mean, you know, it's not going to snow. You're not going to put on your snow tires, none of that stuff. But at Christmas, it's about gift-giving, honestly. I mean, I remember as a child, my parents would build up the anticipation starting on like the second or third of December. And they would begin to, you start to see things. First of all, the The tree would come, we'd get the house decorated, my mom would be adding stuff like every day and she would like add little gifts underneath the Christmas tree as the season went on and we're like, wow, if we're already on the 10th and there's that many gifts, we were projecting how many gifts there would be right by the time the 25th came around and we're so excited she would build up the whole thing of Christmas. And she had this thing that she called Christmas Along, which we believe in in my family, which means that a gift would occasionally be opened prior to Christmas, like on about the 20th, 21st, just to continue to to build the anticipation and the excitement of Christmas. And so as a kid, I learned really well how to receive gifts. Can you relate? Anybody else, you you learned how to receive gifts, and uh, I'm grateful for that. But they also began to teach us about how to give gifts. Turns out that's a part of Christmas as well. Right, and as a child, you start to learn. You know, I need to, I need to get my present for my brother who really bugs me. He turned out really good, but as a child, you know, um, and I should buy something for my parents. And so we would, we would go down to the drugstore and buy my mom some powder or something. You know, I don't know what powder's for, but we would get that. You know, we would, we learn to give gifts, and eventually, we learn to give gifts out of, out of love not out of compulsion, not because you really have to, not because someone else is getting you a gift, but hopefully we all learn how to give out of a sense of, of love for someone. See, that's really what Christmas is about, isn't it? It's about we're giving because God gave. As God gave us an incredible gift, we're giving as well. Now, one of our one of our key leaders, who shall rename, remain nameless, John Russell, yesterday shared with us that he one time got his wife gifts for Christmas that he had to explain. It's kind of like a bad joke. If you have to explain it, it's not that funny. If you have to explain the gift, generally, it's not that great, right? And he explained some of it. You'll have to see him about that because I still don't understand what he got her, um, But some gifts, they do need to be explained. And it's helpful that God explained the gift he gave at Christmas. That he explained what it really is. And to the extent that the people of that day could understand, he explained who he was sending and what he was giving in this baby Jesus that was to be born. Look with me at Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 30. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 30. Go ahead and open up your Bible on your phone, or a paper Bible, or you can look on the screen, but it's great if you have it in your hand. It's great if you can read it yourself. So Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 30, the word of the Lord says this, and the angel said to her, the angel speaking to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Wow, Mary, I'm going to give a gift through you. I'm going to give a miraculous gift that can only be explained by my activity. And you're going to have a son and he's going to be amazing. He's going to take the throne of his father, David. And that kingship, his ruling on that throne, will never, ever end. See, everything in life ends, doesn't it? Rulers end. Nations end. Football season ends. The year ends. Jobs end. We retire. Lives end. But this Jesus... His kingdom that He was going to bring on earth, that He has brought on, will never, ever end. It's really the only thing that never ends. Think about that. That's the gift that Jesus, that God gave. You see, every other gift you're going to get on Christmas, let me tell you, it's going to come to an end. The great toy that you got is going to break probably on the second day. Um, the great gift that you got, it's going to end. There is a time it's going to break. The the blender you're going to get your wife for Christmas will one day end. It'll, it'll quit working until they don't buy her a blender. Um, the vacuum cleaner, don't buy her that either. Whatever you, The perfume you gave her will run out. But the gift of Jesus never ends. It never, ever ends. Take that in for a minute. What Jesus gives lasts forever. You don't have to be afraid that he's going to die, that he's going to disappear, that his promises will go away. They're good forever. They never, ever end. So God goes on to explain through the uh, angel to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And if you've seen Charlie Brown, you know what this passage is going to say. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. I love it that God announces the coming of his son, that he explains. The coming of his son to shepherds, people who are entry-level workers, not highly regarded, not church people, people who really don't have any affiliation. They're just out there in the field with these sheep, and I love that reality too because that's who we are in it, people who are watching over sheep. God presents this incredible explanation of his son to shepherds. He announces it coming. Verse 8, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with fear. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being out in the field? Can you imagine being out in the Everglades right now at night? And it's dark, and there's no lights anywhere. And suddenly in the middle of that, An angel appears, just materializes, and there's this incredible light, this glory of God that shines everywhere. Suddenly there's just incredible glory, and this person appears to you. Yeah, I'd be terrified. But God wants to announce the coming of His Son to everyday people, normal people, working people who are doing their job in the middle of the night. And the angel says to them, again, Fear not, for behold, what? I bring you good news of great joy that will be only to a few people. Only to just a couple of. No, what does it say? It says, next verse. Next verse. To all. He announces the coming of His Son to all people. Everyone should have access to Jesus Christ. He wants everyone to know. It's not just about a few people. It's just not about a few people who study uh, the, the Scriptures. It's about. It's to come to all people. See, Jesus is a gift to all people. And, the, and verse 11, For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, uh, a Savior, a Rescuer. Have you ever been rescued? Have you ever had someone show up just when you needed them to? Someone show up to protect you, to rescue you, to maybe pick you up off the side of the road when your car died. They showed up. They got you. They brought you home. They took care of you. Or maybe someone who came in to heal you, In the midst of some disease, there was a doctor or there was someone who came along and said, I've got the treatment for you, and you were able to be healed. They rescued you. Or maybe there was a debt you couldn't pay, and someone stepped in on your behalf, and they took care of you, and they rescued you. Jesus does that and so much more. He is a Savior. It's not just a church word. He is a Savior. Let me ask you, did you need a savior? Did you need a a savior? I love that word. Because it places me where I need to be, which is a place of humility. Say, I needed a savior. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't nearly good enough. But Jesus came as a savior who is Christ, the Lord, who is the Messiah, the anointed one. This Christ, the one that was long been promised, this one, he came as a Savior, and he is born the Savior, Christ the Lord. Uh, I'm sure that the shepherds were thinking, this is amazing. We don't know what this means exactly, but there's someone here to rescue us, probably from the Romans, probably from our poverty. It's going to lift us up. Later, they would find out more and more about this Jesus, that he'd come To save them. To conquer the most devastating illness the world has ever known. The illness of sin. It's a terminal illness. There is no cure. There is nothing we can do about it. It requires what? A savior. A savior who is Christ the Lord. See, God saw our need. And because God loved God gave. John 3, 16. I like to say it about every two or three weeks just because it so encapsulates the gospel, but because God so loved the world, He gave. God didn't give in order for us to give back to Him. God didn't give because He knew how wonderful of people we were. Now, the Bible says that. Romans says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't go, man, these people are so great. They've given me so much. I just want to get, no, what does he say? Because God loved, God gave. I love that reality. Because God loved, God gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only son, his most precious possession. This is the gift that God gives. So that anyone who believes might have everlasting life. You see, God gave Jesus so that anyone who believed that they needed a Savior could have eternal life. God doesn't force it on anyone. He doesn't force anyone to receive this gift. He offers it as a gift. People say, yeah, I I need that. No doubt you've gotten gifts you didn't need. But when God gave Jesus... He gave the gift that everyone needs. At the core of our being, we need to be forgiven. We need to be healed of this illness called sin. Have you received this gift? Have you received this gift of Jesus Christ This salvation that cures us of our sin. Have you gotten to the place where you knew that you needed to receive that gift? And you said, yes, Jesus, would you forgive me? I believe what you say about me. Have you received that gift? Do you know the joy that happens when that gift comes into your life and wipes away your sin? And suddenly you're right with God for the first time in your life. Do you know that joy of receiving that incredible gift? Do you know what that feels like? I want us to take just a moment to relive that. Would you just bow your heads for a moment? here in the middle of the message. Would you just remember what your life was like without Jesus? Think about what your life would be like if there was no Jesus. Think about the weight of guilt. The constant desire to make up for what you've done. Constant anxiety that comes from knowing that you're suffering from this terminal illness called sin. Think about what it would be like to not look forward to heaven, but to fear death and the aftermath. Now think about Jesus. If you've received him, remember that time when he came into your life. When he knocked on your door and you said, yes, please come in. Please heal my terminal illness called sin. I'm a sinner and I, I repent of that. Oh, remember that joy. Remember that joy of being saved, of being reborn. Thank him for that. Thank Jesus for that incredible gift. Lord Jesus, we praise you for loving us enough to send Jesus. We praise you for that, Lord. Thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Now, what's the result of that? What's the result of receiving this gift? Oh, I forgot about Jesus. I just went off and I I got what I wanted. I got my fire insurance. So now I come to church twice, three times a year or I come to church, but I really kind of, kind of, I don't know that I love him that much because it's been a long time ago. I hope that's not where you are. Jesus said the greatest commandments are what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind the results of receiving the gift of salvation is loving Jesus with everything that you are. That's the fruit. That's what happens when you receive this incredible gift. That I want to love you. I love you with everything that I am. I'm excited about you. I'm thrilled about what you're doing in my life. And sometimes those who receive the gift aren't really there. And they struggle to love God because of how life has turned out the difficulties that they faced. And they kind of don't feel so great about Jesus Christ. Listen, we need to wipe that away. Because if you've received the gift of salvation, you've received everything you'll ever need. And you've received more love than anyone can ever receive. We need to get excited and say, I'm so grateful for you, Jesus. I'm so excited for what you've done in my life. I can't believe it. I didn't deserve it. But you, Jesus, saved me years ago. And you continue to love me and give me purpose and future and joy and fruit in my life. And if that's true, then what overflows is a love for others, right? Second commandment, second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, which means that you need to love only the people sitting next to you right now. No, that's not what it means, does it? You just need to love the people who, whose house is next to yours. No, it means you need to love everyone that you come in contact with, and even those you don't come in contact with, because you want them to have what you have. When you love someone as yourself, you're saying, I want you to have the great, incredible life that I have. I mean, anybody that has a great experience at a restaurant, you, you've told somebody about that, haven't you? Can you believe the burger that they have? Can you believe what that was like? It was incredible. It only cost 10 cents. I can't believe it. It was amazing. And I came and I had that. And you've told people about it, haven't you? <coughs> Excuse me. You tell people about great things in your life. We sometimes, but rarely, we tell people about our grandchildren. I don't know how we do that, why we do that. Why? Because if you're a grandparent, it's wonderful. It's terrific. It's terrific you tell people about what matters because you want people to enjoy it. You want people to experience it. But not everybody can experience Jesus right now. Not everyone has access to Him right now. See, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the world, right? Go and baptize them. Teach them everything that I have told you to do. Matthew 28, He gave us this great commission. And then in Acts 1.8, as we talked about a few weeks ago, he kind of made it a little more specific. He said, you will be my witnesses. You'll be my reporters. You'll be my social influencers. You're going to be the ones that are going to talk about me. And you're going to talk about me all over the place. You're going to talk about me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. You're like, hey, but I live in South Florida. I don't live over there. Well, you get the idea it's a geographic thing on one level, which is to say that people who are close to you, people who are a little further from you, maybe the people who live in your city, people who live in your state or city or your, your, your state, and the people maybe who live in Samaria would be the pros outside of your state, outside of your area, in the uttermost parts of the world are people way, way away from you. But it's not just geographic, because those people in those days represented certain kinds of people People in Jerusalem, those are the people who trying to serve the Lord, maybe know a lot of Scripture. People in Judea are a little further away. They're not quite as interested in, in serving God. They're a little further away. They may have drifted even away from following God. And then the people in Samaria, those are the people who they have kind of mixed God with a whole bunch of other kind of stuff, right? They've kind of mixed the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob, with a whole bunch of other gods. They've, they've combined things. They've created their own religion. Sound familiar? That's what our culture is filled with right now. Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I also believe in all this other stuff. And then the uttermost are the people who've never heard about Jesus. Here at First Baptist Del Rey, we can reach the people around us, but you know what? I want to invest in the people that I can't know. I don't want to just be satisfied. The people in Delray or the people that I see when I travel, I, I want us as a church to be able to reach those that are far from us, because we have people who are representing us, and that we give a chance to support. That's what this Christmas missions offering is all about. In just a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity to give. You say, "Wait a minute, Steve. I'm a visitor. That's cool. You don't have to give, but I want you to know our hearts." I want you to know what we're all about. Many people invest in all kinds of crazy things today. Cryptocurrency, crazy investments. There's all kinds of stuff out there people spend money on. And there's nothing wrong with that. But listen, every investment has a risk except for this one. You make an investment in the kingdom of God, there's a guaranteed reward. See, I want us to all stand around in heaven and gather up and eat some chicken. And then I want us to, to talk to the people that are impacted by what happens here today. Who are there because of the gift that you gave. Because of the missionary that you supported. Because of the church in Jamaica that you supported. People are there in heaven. That's what I want to happen. I don't want to be standing around thinking, well, you know, I really didn't give anything. and so I really don't have any investment to make here, so think i'll just stay over here in my own little corner and i don't want that to be the case because if i love jesus my love overflows to those who haven't been able to receive the gift you know if we were having christmas today at our house and we were exchanging gifts and i knew someone was going to be there but there was no gift for them we'd go out and get him a gift we'd get him something there are people around the world today who have no access to the gift of Jesus Christ. They're sitting there at Christmas with no access to Jesus. There is no gift. I want to ask you, would you, would you help them know Jesus? Would you help them know Jesus? Our goal today is $40,000. That's our goal for the Christmas missions offering it's 10% of our entire giving that we get in the entire year this is over and above what you would normally give in your tithes and offerings our staff and our leadership said you know what we ought to we should do this we should encourage our people to participate you said, well Steve I, I can't give very much listen I just encourage you to give something if you have an income I encourage you to give something See, we're giving, we're splitting our offering three ways, and we're giving to our church in Jamaica. We love Jamaica. Grace Lighthouse Baptist Church, we love those people, and they're struggling right now. They're struggling to eat. I urge you, as you give, think about the people of Jamaica. Jamaica is a place very much like Judea or Samaria, where people have a knowledge of Jesus Christ, but often don't have an accurate witness of who Jesus is, don't have an accurate witness of the actual gospel. And like Samaritans, it's often thrown in there with a lot of other stuff, a lot of Rastafarian religion and things like that that have, that have diluted it and make it very hard for people to feel accepted in the church today. And the people who can't, don't have their lives together, feel like I don't really feel like I belong, can't fit into church. That's why we started this church five years ago. We're grateful for Myra Segree and Pastor Neville Wilson and his wife. We've been faithful, and we have to baptize eight people this summer. I want to, as you give, think about reaching more people in Jamaica who don't really have access to the gospel. Think about our little boy, Tino. We're trying to get to the United States, and Miss Myra is working on that now to help him have his legs straightened, can barely walk part of our church. We got to baptize this summer in July. So a third of our giving today will go to our our church in Jamaica. A third of it will also go to the Florida Baptist Convention who plants churches around our state. Most of you know, if you've been on the highway lately, there's a lot of people here. And there's a lot of people moving here. And before you say, I wish they'd go home, don't you love that? I love the fact that there's people coming from all over the nation, all over the world to Florida, which gives us what? The opportunity as Florida Baptists to reach them. A thousand people a day. The last five years, Florida Baptists have planted 282 churches, baptized 115,000. Next slide, please. Baptized 100. Hold on a minute. Next slide. Spent 4.4 million Planted 282 churches, baptized 115,000 people the last five years. 12,000 last year when a lot of churches weren't even meeting. But there's 1,000 people every day moving into So what does it tell you? 330,000 or 350,000 or so will move to Florida this year? Let me just tell you, we need a lot more churches. Most of those people are Judeans, Samaritans, or from the uttermost parts of the world. Most of those people do not know Jesus. We have a great mission field here in Florida And so a third of our offering today will go to the Florida Baptist Convention to help plant more churches, develop more leaders, reach more people. And then third, if you're a Southern Baptist, amen, give me a woo woo. Southern Baptist, you're raised that way. How many people remember the Lottie Lottie Moon Armstrong? I can't say it. Lottie Moon Offering. It's an offering to the International Mission Board of Southern Baptist Convention. 3,600 missionaries on the foreign field. 3,600 people who are out there supporting, representing you, supported by you, reaching people that are very far from God. These people are reaching the uttermost, people who don't know Jesus, often in a very dangerous environment or certainly unwanted environment, some of them suffering for Jesus right now. Lottie Moon Armstrong goes directly to them, goes directly to projects to reach people around the world. It's an incredible thing. Uh, this year, 242 new missionaries were assigned. 247 new people groups were engaged or reached. A people group is something that's a group of people that has a similar language, lives in a general area together, that if we could get a church or several churches going, they would all have access to the gospel. 242 reached this year, but you know what? There's still 7,200 people groups that are unreached. 7,200 people groups around the world who have no access to a church preaching the gospel. That's why we give to the International Mission Board, Lottie Moon Armstrong. I can't say it, Lottie Moon Offering. But there's still, the the stat that really kills me is this one. Every day around the world, 155,000 people will die far from Christ. 155,000. Many never having heard the name Jesus. That's why we give 10%. I mean, that's why we give a third of our offering to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Let me ask you, would you like to invest in that? Would you like to give something to help people around the world? I I want to be a part of that. I'm so excited today that we have that opportunity to be a part of that. You say, well, how much should I give? You should give all you possibly can. Say, Steve, you sound like a Baptist pastor. Amen, because that's what we do. We want to give so as many people as possible can know Jesus. Because we have received the gift. And it breaks our heart that people aren't receiving it. There's people out there trying to help them know. I want to urge you today, you ought to give all you can. As a, I can just tell you, Julie and I, we're doing something we've never done before. It's our biggest gift we're ever going to make. And we've ever made so far in our lives. We've taken what we would give in, the, in a normal year, We're taking 10% of that and giving that on top of our normal tithe. That's where we are. I encourage you, what else can you invest in that's worth sharing the gospel with people around the world? Maybe it's your biggest Christmas gift. Maybe it's an additional tithe check. I want to encourage you, don't miss the opportunity to give and say, I want others to have this gift that I've already received. I want to say this as well. Do not give out of compulsion. Do not give because, oh, I just feel bad if I don't give. I want you to feel good about giving, period. Don't give thinking you're going to buy God off. If you just give him something that, by golly, you're going to have a good financial year. Don't do that. God's not someone you can buy. Oh, but you can invest. and You can participate in what God is doing around the world. I'm going to pray, and then just right after that, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give right now, to write out that check. You write to First Baptist Church of Delray Beach, and in the, in the memo line, just simply put missions. You can put it in the box and back. Or you can give through your bank, First Baptist Church of Delray Beach, and just put, again, on the memo line, missions. You can give a check, write a check, and you can put it in the box and back, and you can put it in the memo line, Missions. If you're online right now, I urge you to participate with us. You can send your check. You can go online on your smartphone or on your computer and you can give right now. Or you can put a check in the mail. I want to urge you. Don't say I'm going to do it later. So I don't really know if I should do this. I've spent a lot of money on stupid stuff in my life. I've never regretted anything I gave away. I've never said, oh, I gave that offering." I wish I had that. I've never, ever said that, ever, in my entire life. I want to encourage you, give all you can, bow with me. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry. We cry.